G'day, podcasting friends of the show. Quick update on CloutWatch. Remember, Ideas Digest as a podcast needs clout so that it can get guests with also clout because people with clout, they only want to talk to somebody else that has some clout as well. So you can assist this clout drive by leaving a review, five stars hopefully, on Apple Podcasts. Now, <laughs> plot twist. Plot twist is I've been saying, hey, everybody, leave reviews. And I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, man, we should be we should be getting close. And then I realized I'm looking at Ideas Digest Australia. And then I go, oh, hang on. How do I look at the Ideas Digest on Apple Podcasts US? And then I go over the US and there's they've been bloody separated. There's the US people leaving reviews on the US Apple Podcasts app and then there's the Australians and there's the Canadians and I haven't been able to check like Norway and stuff because I actually don't know. I just changed a little thing at the top that says US or AU or CA for Canada. Don't know what Norway is. So I don't know if this makes it harder or easier, but it just means we need more reviews because they're coming in thick and fast. Here's one from Akhoff at with the subtitle, Chewing and Swallowing These Ideas. Oh, very good there. And then digesting, I hope. Um, uh, Akhoff says, I challenge everyone I know to listen to episodes of Ida's Digest in their entirety. Oh, that's good. Don't like the episode? Question mark. Sit with it and then listen to a different one. Seek discomfort and challenge your perspectives, biases, and religious or political theologies. Now, that is someone who really is engaging hard with the practice of Ideas Digest. Yes, seek discomfort. Yes, challenge your perspective. And and yeah, challenge the ideas you currently hold. So thanks to all of you who have already left a review. Uh, let's face it, I'm not above asking. You guys have already left one review to leave another one. Grab your girlfriend's phone, your boyfriend's phone, your mum's phone and go, oh, where's your Apple podcast app? Sweet. And then leave a sneaky review. Listen, I don't care where the clout comes from. I'm down for as much clout as possible. Thanks for being part of the Ideas Digest quest and being part of the practice of Ideas Digest. Uh, and now here is the latest episode. Trigger pants on, belt tight. Here we go. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the live podcast practice where we fear no idea, and a nice metaphor for you, uh, we move through the weeds that exist once we leave the clear-cut fields of agree and disagree, because we don't, it's not where we want to live, agree and disagree, let's move beyond that and see where we end up, in the weeds, that's what I'm saying. My name's Conrad, and if you're a new listener to the show, welcome. You are very welcome to be here, but I will be honest and begin with the warning that I'm beginning to give between... Uh, at the beginning of every episode. This podcast, it, let's face it, it, I don't think it's for everybody. Uh, our listenership is a bit of a yo-yo. Uh, I'll release an episode that will express, you know, one viewpoint and then a lot of people get on board being like, this is great, I'm, I'm loving this, this podcast and they'll share it around and then the next week, I might release an episode that, you know, shares the exact opposite viewpoint and then, you know, I'll watch some of those new listeners maybe bail out and that's okay, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. Uh, so be warned. Uh, but... If you stick with it, I think 
I think you'll learn to enjoy it. So you're not jumping into some warm little echo chamber. They're fun too. We all like a little echo chamber. They're great. This just isn't one. Um, so you've you've been warned. A, a friend of the show, Thomas, sent through in the DMs a few weeks ago. He said, nuance is sacred work. I really liked that. And so if you would like to join in what I think the sacred work of nuance is, three things you can do. Number one, listen to the episode that will most trigger you. You know, the one that challenges you the most. It's often the one that you, you know, you're not interested in. You're scrolling your, your podcast feed and you're like, mm, can't be bothered. It's probably that one. Listen to that one. Number two, send through a question that I might have missed. What did I miss? On the Instagram, you can post a question. What did you wish I'd asked? Plenty of questions. A lot of questions out there that I probably missed. Number three, we love hearing from you. Shoot us a DM. Who should we talk to next? What rabbit hole should we follow? You will guide where we go. Otherwise, I'll just follow my own intuition and, and we end up just going down the same trajectory. You've got to bump me onto different roads here. So let's begin like we always begin with clickbait. Why do you begin with clickbait, Conrad? That's the scourge of our society. It may well be, but it's the way we communicate uh, in this modern era and it's not going anywhere. And normally clickbait is the takeaway point of the news article. We're like, we'll just read the headline, share it. That's all good. In this podcast, the clickbait is the beginning of the journey, not the end. So here is the clickbait for this episode. Freedom from homosexuality. Now, I can hear just these echo chambers popping all around the podcasting spheres. Uh, it is probably the opposite of the cultural narrative today that says, you know, equality comes through affirming same-sex relationships and that maybe homosexuality is something not to be free from. So I can, you know, I can hear some people ears pricking up being like, mm, tell me more. Well, let's, let's find out more. Let me introduce new friend of the show, Kim Zemba. Now, have I got the pronunciation of your last name correct? Dude, you say it way cooler than it actually is. So yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you well, say Well, you it? did. You just have a rad accent, but yeah, it's Kim Zemba. You got it. Uh, that's right. Yes, the, the, in Australia, the the ER translates to uh, ah yeah, Zemba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to to join us here. Absolutely, I'm super pumped to be on. Now we like to begin on Ideas Digest by confessing our our you know things to our guests. And what happens when we meet new people is that we we make assumptions about about them. So Kim, before we kind of confess our assumptions to you, uh, what if, if I was to just meet you, you know, at a, at a dinner party, you know, semi-formal, uh, I might be wearing just a shirt, no tie. It's, it's not that formal an event. I'm like, hey, Kim, what's going on? Uh, it's nice to meet you. What's your like top line introduction information? You go, oh, I'm Kim. And what would you introduce yourself kind of as in that setting? Um, all in. <laughs> Just kind of all in. That's that's always what it is. So if I'm talking to a person right then and there, I want to know about them. I, I want to know their life. I want to go way deeper than just the surface. Um, so I usually deep dive into whatever theirs is, and they put it right back on me. And so I just share. So yeah. So how so how do you introduce yourself then? Oh well, I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't meet a lot of strangers outside of them knowing already kind of my background. But yeah, I mean, oh, I, that sounds yeah, weird, yeah. but especially with COVID, but um. Yeah, I just say, you know, I'm Kim and I, yeah, I just lived a crazy life and I'm super sold out for what God's doing now in my life. I don't know if that answers it, but <laughs> that's a, it's an update. And that's the beginning of the, the conversation will flow on from yeah. there. So when we, when we meet new people, 
well, let's all be honest. We make assumptions. We're like, well, I bet Kim is from this part of America or I bet Kim thinks this. And normally we go away to our echo chamber with those assumptions and go, hey, hey, uh, Johnny, did you hear Kim? Kim was like this? And we have these assumptions, but not here. Well, we do have them here, but we're going to be honest about them, Kim. Oh. We're going to, uh, listeners of the show, uh, I posted on Instagram, we're going to confess our assumptions to you and you get to just be like, mm, that's not true. Oh, that one's kind of true. Mm, that's not true. So we'll, we'll put our assumptions to you and you can correct us where we're wrong. Okay. So some assumptions people might have, they meet, they meet Kim and they go, Oh, Kim, American accent, you know? Um, okay. The clickbait, maybe freedom from homosexuality. She sounds like a Christian. So we're going to make the assumption, Kim, you must be like a conservative Protestant Christian. Mm, all right. Well, you're going to, you're going to swing and miss on part of that. You tipped it. Um, I, I'm okay. Catholic, uh, so I'm not Protestant. Oh. Yeah. So we got to miss it. Okay. Yep. Um, and uh, by choice, this is not, nobody's forced to be Catholic. Um, but, and I would say I'm, I'm conservative. Um, it's so hard because everybody has their own definitions of even what conservative is now. Right. Um, so it might uh -huh, be different yep. where you're at to where I'm at. I live also in Ethiopia and what's conservative there is not even close to what is here. So it's so relative, unfortunately, that I don't know if we can speak these mm -hmm. kind of blanket terms, um, and really know that person. So I had somebody get super pissed at me, uh, once and they're like, you're just, you're just one of those judgmental Christians. I'm like, we well, got the Christian part, right? I'm, I'm trying to walk that out. But the judgmental part, like, dude, you don't even know me yet. I was like, I will open up my heart. I will say everything that I got. And then if you hate me, you have every right, but don't hate me until you know me. <laughs> so it's, it's really hard because we put so many titles, you know, on people. That's right. yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good thing you point out, which, uh, is exactly why we, we push through with the assumptions right. because that's right. When you, when you make assumptions, you're actually not fully knowing the person. So if you were to say, if you were to say like, conservative is a relative term if you were to define the term would you i how would you identify as if you were to use the word conservative would you say i would be conservative if it was defined as this and i wouldn't be if it was defined by what what else yeah so conservative for me um is the way i'm choosing to live my life that's how I, that's how i see it so i choose to live by and i tie conservative to a set of morals as well right um, so for me, like it could somebody could say, oh, well, Kim is pro pro life. Um, so she's conservative. Well, I tie that again back to my morals. So I really don't like that, con you know, conservative because there's people who are called conservative that I don't correlate with. Right. And I wouldn't say I'm in line with. Um, so I go back to morals and I do. I use the Bible, um, the Christian Bible as my base for morale. So um, for me, when I say I'm conservative, that's the way I am walking out my life. What I don't mean when I say I'm, or if I would to label myself conservative, mm -hmm. is I'm not saying you need to be that, <laughs> right? So that's where the okay. that's where mm -hmm. I don't like some of these titles because just because that's something that I feel called to doesn't mean I now have the right to push that on someone else, whatever way that goes, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So I think sometimes when we say yeah. we're conservative, that means I don't like people who aren't. Whoa, dude, no. <laughs> we can I can like you mm -hmm. and not like what you do or okay. like what you believe. That's a good 
uh, clarification of different definitions because we do often assume we mean the same thing when we're using right. words. And to be honest, that's really not the case. So we will on this show always go into mm, define that and what is meant exactly by that because understanding is more important than categorizing mm. and placing in boxes. Amen. So Kim, another assumption people might have, they go, okay, well, there is some version of conservative Christian there, Catholic through, yeah, okay. Um, Maybe this comes from the stereotype of a conservative Protestant, but you must be in like the mid, like mid to south of the United States there. (laughs) No, I'm in Southern California. I'm in the most liberal um, and I put those around it, but I'm in, I'm in SoCal. So I'm in um, probably one of the most, actually nobody ever believes they're like, besides me not really brushing my hair, um, they really don't believe that I'm from California. Like your set of morals doesn't align with where you live. And I'm like, dude, I'm okay. I mean, I get that. I could see that, but I can still be around people who do not agree with me and I'm not raising kids either. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the effect it's going to have on me personally. So yeah, that would be eh, X'd out that I'm in the Midwest. Very no on that yeah. <laughs> California. She's a West, she's a West coast coast liberal elite no, I think established <laughs> that, that one also isn't true uh friend of the show uh triggered by church on instagram there uh has confessed an assumption and they say you must be right ra- you must have been raised in a like a middle to upper middle class household okay i'll give you that one yes <laughs> yeah okay all right that's a, that's a two two points on yeah. that one uh people people who um Hold on, let me pause. Oh, we'll Real go quick. through. I was raised in yeah. middle to upper class, but I didn't know it. I know that's weird, but I just want to give a little props to my family. I did not know it. I didn't think we were poor, but I just think my parents did an amazing job uh, to never make it about money or stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And you mentioned before people often kind of know your story because you're very open about sharing your story. So people who have maybe done a bit of Googling, Kim Zemba, watch a few things on YouTube, they might look at your story and they might have the assumption um, of when you're sharing your story about moving away from a same-sex lifestyle, they might say, Kim, you were never really gay. Mm -hmm. Well... What would you say to that? I assumption? would say you might want to talk to my girlfriends. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, what what makes okay. someone really gay, quote unquote? I mean, that's like saying, okay. Kim, you were never really fat. Well, uh, I had a lot of weight on me. Like, w- what are we going to call the defining thing now to say, oh, because you're no longer doing it th- means you never were? Okay, just because I right. used to have weight on me and now I don't, does that mean I was never fat? Right. So um, mm-hmm. I have a hard time with that. Um, I would say you talk to any of my ex-girlfriends, mm-hmm. uh, talk to my family and my friends, and they would highly disagree. This wasn't a this wasn't a one time uh, one time hookup uh, at a party. So it wasn't a um, experimental no. in college stereotype. No, I got kicked out, okay. got oh, kicked that's out another of college. Assumption. So that, that didn't happen in college. Okay. Uh, friend of the show, Melissa, has confessed uh, to us here and confessed to you. Uh, looking at a story, people might assume, and Melissa's assumed here, you must be just living in denial mm. now. Okay. Well, that one, I get. I actually have been told that, not to people who know me, but people have asked that question. So that's a great question. So glad that people are just open. I prefer this. I wish every interview was like this, by the way. Okay. Yeah, oh, good. For real. Oh, really? okay, you can cool. ask, say whatever. You're not going to hurt my feelings. It ain't like that. We're having a real conversation. I dig that. So um, that's a great question. And I think it's an assumption that happens all the time. Here's my thing. Why would I choose that? 
Why would I choose that? Nobody forced me to change. No one, right? My family loved me. I was super accepted into my friend circles, everything. So nothing was from the exterior pushing, right? Me to change. So if I was living in denial, why would I choose that? Why would anybody choose that for themselves? The only thing I could say kind of back to food is if I know something's not healthy for me because I've experienced it, I've experienced eating something, I've seen how it now works in my body. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to allow myself to have that anymore. Right now, is that me denying myself something? Yes, but by free will choice. So just because, dude, there's, there's guys I know, right, that are married, that are attractive. And I deny myself acting on stuff with them. Now, am I living in denial? No, I'm choosing to deny something that I know is not good for me because I've experienced it before. And so um, I would not choose a life of denial uh, in the negative way I think people usually will say it. So I don't know if that really makes sense, but. Yeah, that that makes sense. You would say no yeah. to, to that no, one. I'm not. I think. You, yeah, no, I'm not living fine. in denial. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Laura, and you've half answered this already, but friend of the show, friend of the show Laura, would uh, is confessing maybe you've mistaken, you know, uh, fitting in mm. in the like a Christian environment because you know uh, LGBT yeah, is not yeah. quite accepted within Christianity. Maybe you've mistaken fitting in for healing. So like now you fit mm. in, but it's like oh no, I'm healed. What would what would you say to that wow. assumption? Uh, well, first I've never heard that before. So I love it. Um, and oh, okay, I, I will yeah. say this, I actually fit in, even when I was in the lifestyle, I ran a mission in Ethiopia, all of that. And so I never had a problem fitting in, um, with that. Cause it was, yeah, it wasn't something like everybody around me, um, was pretty accepting of me because, and I don't mean this like arrogant, but I think they enjoyed me as a person. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, she's doing this, but she's great, you know? And so really fitting in was not, and it's never been my thing to fit in. Um, so Mm -hmm. I'm looking what I was, you never felt out of place. No, no. What I was, what I wasn't fitting with myself. I didn't have peace inside my heart and my mind. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if we want to push that to the outside, but people weren't, they weren't rude to me. They weren't judgmental. So where would that come from? It wasn't other people's voices. It was, Mm -hmm. it was within me. Mm -hmm. And final one, friend of the show, uh, Amando, and maybe you've gotten this one before, maybe not. Um, they're confessing their assumption as being, well, Kim, it, it sounds like what you're saying is you, 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 they might interpret what you're saying and say, mm, Kim, she's homophobic. Mm. Well, um, I have, I have actually friends who are still in the lifestyle. And so, um, I'm not, I, it's, I especially hate that word homophobic. Like I'm afraid of a person because of how they're living. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you're not talking about a murder. I could maybe be afraid of someone who kills people. Um, but someone who chooses to love someone of the same sex, I'm not afraid of them at all. Um, no. they're human beings. And so, mm-hmm. um, no, I'm, I'm not homophobic in any way. I don't even, I, I don't even understand how that's real for some people, but maybe it is. Um, but for me, it's, it's not that at all. I wasn't afraid of the life. I wouldn't have lived the lifestyle out in the open if I was afraid of it. And then now afraid of that mm-hmm. group of people. So, um, I, I disagree. So no, no, hard no on hard that no. one. Now, is there any, you've mentioned a few, what other assumptions do you, have you, common assumptions that people might make about you that are either correct or incorrect that you've come across? I, I hear a lot before people know me, um, before they've heard talks um, or any time I've shared, 
oh, you must be judgmental. So they'll read a title, right? Um, or they'll hear me say something. Someone had just said unhealthy. I don't know what you mean. So I, I think we should unpack that too. Um, but I think a lot of people will instantly, anytime you talk about homosexuality and then you talk about freedom from, they instantly assume I hate people living in the lifestyle. I do that, that mm-hmm. now I just don't like people within the LGBTQIA plus community. And that's, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. It's actually the reason why I share and I have thousands of people reach out to me is because I care. And I'm not making anybody change. I couldn't change myself, right? And so for me, mm-hmm. how is how is that being judgmental? I'm not going to a pride festival and being like, you know, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve and all this stuff that people can do. I'm not doing that at all. If someone chooses mm-hmm. to watch the video that I've been asked to do, did I mean, even for you, I didn't ask to do this interview, right? You reached out to me. And so if somebody wants me to do that, mm-hmm. I want to share and I want to have these kind of conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I pray every day that I'm not judgmental. If anybody, if I'm going to judge anybody, I got to judge myself. I got enough stuff going on in my own life that God wants to work out in me. I don't got time to be judging everybody else. Um, but I can say as a Mm -hmm. Christian, Mm -hmm. I can say what is sin and what is not, not based on what I think or I want to be sin, but what the Bible has written as sin. So before, before we go into all of that. I want to I want to learn a little bit more about you, your upbringing, maybe a bit of your story, kind of what your what your family was like, a little bit more of the context of which you've you you come from. Yeah, so um my parents actually still together and uh they were high school sweethearts, so I know that's super rare. Um they're still together. I've got two older brothers. Um and like we said earlier, grew up in Southern California. Um as far as I remember, like pretty much always raised Christian. I went uh, third grade through eighth grade private Catholic school. And so I was pretty, um, people might say sheltered. I didn't feel that. I just felt kind of protected. Um, so I don't see it as a negative thing. And in my high school year, I went into um, public school. And that's where things kind of got crazy. I, <laughs> I guess the uh, boundaries got expanded. And, um, and so, yeah, that was actually my senior year in high school um, is when I first got with, my fir- with the first girl. Um, but in that, like just even background on my family, like I always wanted to be like my brothers. Um, And you can see even now, I'm not the most girly girl. I can go out and throw football. I can surf. I can do snowboard. Do you know what I mean? Um, I was, I had two older brothers that were like my best friends. Um, And so I didn't, I never had the, like a lot of the desires a lot of other girls had. Um, They were dreaming about their wedding dress and all that stuff. I'm like, nah, I barely even wanted to put a dress on. I never thought I was a guy. I never wanted to be a guy. I just wanted to hang out with them. And I, I really believe that had a lot to do with having two older brothers that I was around so much. Um, and they're still two of my best friends now. And so in that, it kind of gives a little bit. I mean, I was called like a tomboy. I don't understand why they call it tomboy. Tom usually is a boy. But um, so, you know, and I still am. I still love running around. I mean, and when I'm in Ethiopia, I'm running around with my kids barefoot playing soccer with them. And so. I'm okay with the fact that I don't, I don't see for me, I don't need to be in a dress to be a woman. I think like femininity comes from compassion. It comes from so much more that is on, you know, deeper. It's not the exterior. So um, that gives a little background, at least into kind of family and whatnot. I don't know if you want any more. Mm. (laughs) What, 
I guess, what did your parents do for work? And what was, I guess, described like your Catholic upbringing? I know we've probably got a lot of Christian listeners yeah. maybe from Protestantism. What what did a Catholic upbringing that you grew up in, what did that look like? Well, I, for my family, it was actually super rad because I saw my parents literally like have a real relationship. This was not just a set of rules, right? Um, that they just tried to push on us or, or even that they were just trying to live. This was like relational. And so I got to watch my mom and dad actually have like a real relationship. They wanted to pray. Um, we prayed as a family. Uh, we were doing homeless outreaches and things for those in need, uh, for people in need or just anything. But it wasn't just like, you know, nonprofit stuff. It was my dad always inviting the guy who didn't have a place to go to Christmas or you know, I saw my mom helping women who were going through divorces. And so I just saw in my little vision, um, people who were living out the gospel um, and loving people well, um, not perfectly, but loving people well. And so um, for me, you know, I never thought that different. I had friends who were Protestant. My, my family had friends who were Protestants. So it was never like this separation. We didn't feel like we were better than and um, just a super rad family. I mean, honestly, not perfect, of course, but, um, yeah, that was, so I got to see real relationship at home. Um, so it was, it was much more than just do this and don't do this, you know? What did you, like growing up Catholic, what, what did you experience the difference between, I guess, your religious upbringing and maybe some of the Protestant people you were around and their religious upbringing? Yeah. So, um, I guess growing up, it was like, oh, well, like, why does your mom go to church every day? You know, because as Catholics, my mom could go whenever she, oh, by the way, you asked about like my parents. My dad was a um, self-employed businessman um, and then my mom stay at home mom. And so there's that back to the middle upper class. Um, but anyways, so I think for me, it was like, whoa, why do we have so much more available um, than my friends who are Protestant? And I know that might, I don't mean that judgmental. Um, it was just real. It was like, I compare it to the gym, for example. I saw my Protestant friends like running, running, running outside in the Bible, in the Bible, in the Bible. Right. And then I knew us as Catholics, like we had more, we would have the sacraments and there was mass that we could go to every day. And there was uh, different novenas and different types of prayers that could be done. And so I saw it more as like a gym to where there was a lot more equipment that could be used. <laughs> um, and part of me was like, man, I wish my Protestant friends could do this too. Um, and so anyways, yeah, I, I didn't, but it was never like a core foundational thing. We knew Jesus was our Lord and savior. Um, and I, I did sometimes feel, and this was later, um, a little bit judged. They're like, oh, that's just religious. You know, and I'm like, hold on in the scriptures. Like you guys are sola scriptura. Religion is a good thing. Like every time Jesus uses the word religion, it was seen as a good thing. And so, um, I think sometimes the world can take it and just say like, oh, Catholics are earning salvation. I'm like, dude, I can't earn salvation. Now I can reject it, right? Nobody gets sent to hell. We choose it. And so in that, um, but God knows, like he's a father who loves us. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't really have much of that growing up to where it was like, I felt outcast because I was Catholic. Um, I was always very welcomed in Protestant churches and I would invite my friends to, to our church as well. So it was very kind of intermingled without much issue. Yeah, that gives a good idea and some of the assumptions that you would face growing up Catholic from like the Protestant mm -hmm. looking from the outside in. I think that's, that's definitely probably a common one being like you're trying to earn salvation right. and uh, talk to me about, let's go back to the clickbait where, and I think I took it from one of YouTube videos and on the, on the, I stole clickbait. I just steal clickbait. It's what <laughs> I do. And it, it says freedom from homosexuality. So I guess unpack 
that idea for me and you can you know you can work, weave in your journey and story um but some ideas that might be interesting to touch on would be i suppose defining homosexuality and then the the what freedom from it i guess looks like talk to yeah. me i mean where would you want to start with a clickbait like that yeah i think i think you kind of nailed it um you know i i never identified this is actually interesting people might take to this i never identified as gay even when I had a girlfriend of two years dating out in the open, not hiding anything, I never took on the identity as gay. See, and this is where I think it comes to the question you just asked was like, what is homosexual, right? Well, okay. I was living a homosexual lifestyle, but I just never took on that as my identity. It's as if I were to eat pistachio nuts every day, right? It's what I eat every day, but I wouldn't say I'm a pistachio nut eater. That's not who I am. And so I think one of the issues that, that I at least am faced with and that I see so much with, with walking with so many different people is that they've taken on something that they do, right, as who they are. And that could even be a surfer, right? Like someone who surfs every day gets paid to surf. It's their livelihood. And they're like, yeah, bro, I'm a surfer, right? See, when I, when I moved to Ethiopia um, at 23 and started a mission, people are like, oh, you're a missionary. I'm like, no. No, is what I do, is not who I am. And so I think sometimes we get confused, or I'll speak for myself. I was confused on all these different things. I sold real estate. So people are like, oh, you're that realtor. I'm like, no, I sell real estate. I'm Kim. <laughs> like, you know, I know it sounds a little splitting hairs, but it was just true. I had all these different identities that were coming at me that were real. I was living those type things, but I just couldn't take it on as who I was. And so I was really seeking, and still to this day, who am I, God? Right. And I know that I'm more than what I just do, because what about if the mission in Ethiopia goes away? Right. Then who am I now? What if what if this real estate thing no longer works? Who am I now? And see, and I don't believe I was created to have this floppy identity that just goes with the waves of, of time or feelings or emotion. Look, I never I never asked for to be attracted to women. I never had any abuse in my life. There was nothing not spiritual, not physical, nothing. And so I didn't choose to like women. I didn't choose to be attracted to women. Um, so what is that? Well, no matter what, I still didn't see as my identity though, because what if, and, and look, dude, now I no longer have this, right? I, I mean, yes, I could still be attracted to a woman and I could still have moments of being drawn, um, but I still have choice over what I do. But had I identified as a homosexual, a lesbian, I don't know that I'd be willing to even look at could life be different because it's who I am, right? And so when I when I didn't take identities on, things are a lot more open. Look, I don't sell real estate anymore. I'm really glad that people don't call me a realtor and I didn't identify as that. And so it might sound off topic, but I don't I don't think it is because see, when somebody says, you know, you're a homosexual, um my question is, okay, but you okay, so you're living in a homosexual relationship. But I, I just don't see that as who a person is. I think we're so much more than the desires we have, whether they be sexual desires, whether it be a job title, any of that. I, I believe we're more than that. And I'm, I'm thankful to God that he revealed that to me um, and continues to because a lot of things change. Look, right now I can't, I can't go to Ethiopia. So this whole missionary title people try to give me and identify me with, oh, I'd be a freaking mess right now, man, <laughs> because I can't do what everybody says I am. And so I really, it sounds silly, but I kind of just try to keep all things in God's hands. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. And God, I want to be defined by who you say I am, 
not just by my feelings, desires, and emotions or gifts and talents. That's a that's an interesting place to start, which I think is what I'm hearing is how you're defining identity and how you're exploring identity as being sounds like as humans we are ever changing we are ever defined by different things and we can go through life and attach to these things and make them what we're calling our identity but then they can also go away and change and i i suppose talk to me more about when because it it sounds like you're putting in because we're talking about if you're if you're straight that's like the the statistical norm then people it it it's interesting that that you're right it isn't i don't go around going hi my name is conrad and i'm straight because it's this inferred it's not really like you're saying part of my like quote identity but then if someone is gay because it's not quite the norm uh then it almost is 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 more visible because it always i suppose stands out so talk to me about is is this when you're talking about sexuality and identity how do those two i suppose relate you it sounds like you're saying it's not sexuality isn't something that defines the person well yeah i mean then how do these two interplay well i think i think it's for me i mean yes it's part of of your being Right? I'm not going to deny that sexuality is part of our being, but I think our world has tried to make sexuality everything, right? And it's just not. I mean, what about it? It, it just doesn't make sense to me that I'm going to be defined by who I'm attracted to, right? Like whether it be same sex or or opposite sex, I don't want to be defined by that. Oh, because well, you don't want to be judged. Mm-hmm. No, we're, let's take all that off for a second. That's I'm more than that. Right. And I personally feel mm-hmm. that the world pushes that on us because that is something, dude. And then you've got to be proud of it, whether you're straight, quote unquote, or you're gay, quote unquote. Right. Because that's who you are. And then now check it out. If someone comes against me or against no, comes against the way I'm living or the desires I have that I'm living out. So this heter- homosexuality. Right. Now they hate me. See, that's where the problem, I think, comes because we've intertwined those two as one. And so if I say, okay, um, I, I love you, but I may not love what you do, right? And is that even possible? Can you love someone and not love what they do? And to me, yes, we can. Do we do that? I don't know, but it's possible. I can love someone. Look, my niece was killed by a drunk driver at 15 years old. Okay, it just happened. We just had a one year anniversary. Okay. The kid was, the kid who was driving was 18 years old. He was drunk and he was high as a kite. Um, I can, I can visit that young man in prison out of love for him. I do love him. I don't need to know everything about it. I do not love what he did. I would never, just because I say I love him doesn't mean I love everything he does. Right. And so I think we're really missing out on relationship with each other because we're, I need to be a hundred percent in line and agree with everything you do or vice versa to love you. That ain't love, bro. Like that is not love. Love is not, I agree with you. You agree with me. So I love you. No, love is listening to one another. It's, it's having compassion and respect for one another, right? To lay your life down for someone else. See, I want to be the person I, I want to love radically. I want to be the person that when that young man gets out of jail, 
and, and someone is, is threatening to take his life, I say, no, 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 take mine instead. That's the love I want to have. And I have found that I can only have that with God as my help, because I believe in my, in, in everything I've witnessed. God says, taste and see that I'm good. I've experienced him. I'm not saying I know everything. I don't. I probably know less than I actually know. But what I do know, I know is true. And so for me, he helps me to love. I don't, I don't got that in myself. I just don't. And so mm-hmm. I think when we start putting these labels on ourselves, um, whether you're proud of it or you're not, um, I, I don't, I've never met someone that's like, Hey, I'm, I'm Tom and I'm straight. Well, yeah, but that's the norm. No, there's a lot of people who have same sex attraction, mm-hmm. but, but again, when we start defining I, now, I'm maybe not, I'm putting someone in a box to maybe not see beyond my sexual desires, right? Cause now I'm mm. Kim and I'm mm. gay. Now that conversation either stops or, or ends potentially for some people instead of letting them get to know me and be like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do, I, I have a girlfriend. I'm, I'm attracted to mm-hmm. women, you know? Um, but it's not saying mm-hmm. that this ties to right who I am. And, and I think that can really be an issue on both sides for people. I'm not saying hide and pretend not at all. Mm, I think, and I think that's a very non-controversial thing that almost everybody can get around in saying that when we label someone or reduce someone to a simple, idea label position or tribe that that there's now a barrier or a layer between you and the person Mm -hmm. because you've we've reduced the complexity of a human down to something that now ceases to represent the human it sounds like what you're saying is these labels or becoming identified solely with one element or even overemphasizing one element of a human being is something that stands between the human connection we can have if 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 that like tragic tragic incident of a drunk driver killing uh your niece was it yeah yeah that like that really difficult situation i mean i mean that that's that is the most difficult situation to be put in because that that person is reduced now to their crime and you're trying like you're trying to go what does love look like in this situation and you're going well that is horrible and the consequences are devastating but is this person reduced to this one destructive horrible traumatic incident or you're it sounds like you're trying to pull out more humanity from almost everybody and when you're talking about homosexuality it sounds like you see this i suppose identification with it as something that also reduces the person how does that sound about right what you said totally because i just had a girl reach out to me and she said kim i've watched some of your videos online keep in mind i'm not like blasting these videos out to everybody people do it on their own and so she reached out and she's like kim you know i um I'm writing you, but I know you don't already like me because I'm gay. And I wrote her back and I said, it breaks my heart that you would ever think without me meeting you that I could not like you or would not like you. I don't know you. See, so already that one thing has already convinced her because I have a different viewpoint and have had a different experience that I would not like her based on that. If I can like and love the young man that took the life of my niece, we can do a lot here, people. Let's just get out of this, these blinders that put it up. Now, I'm not saying ignore these things. 
But I want to know, see, when somebody says, you know, hey, I'm I'm John and I'm gay, I want to be like, hey, John, hold on. Can you tell me about yourself? Yeah, I'm gay. No, 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 no. Don't tell me about your sexuality only. Uh, well, are you kind? Are you compassionate? Are you loving? Are you forgiving? Like, can we talk about the things that are eternal? Because guess what? There ain't no husband, no wife in heaven. Can we talk about the things that are eternal? The things in our soul that if you lost your legs, your arms, that you're still that same person. You may not be able to get a partner in this world, but I pray to God that if I lose my legs and my arms, I'm the same Kim Zember I was with legs and arms, right? Because I may not be able to do the things or people may not be attracted to me anymore, but am I still me? See, because you, somebody cannot steal what they didn't give you. And for me, the identity that has been given to me by God, nobody can steal unless I give it away. And I'm so thankful that I don't want to give it away. I want my real identity in this world. I want to live out my true identity as a daughter of Christ and what that looks like. I want to know whose I am, which tells me who I am. And that is most important to me now. I, th- I think pulling this idea apart in how you view and see the part of sexuality as being part of the whole human and not overemphasizing or over-identifying with it to create you know, a to take too much part of what the human and what a human is. I feel like you've you've explained very well the stereotypical conservative position, which would be like summed up as love this love the sinner, hate the sin type uh, motto. There, I hate that. By the way, <laughs> I, I say love the person, love the person. Just because you love the person doesn't mean you love what they do. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's an even, that's probably because when you say sinner, then you're almost negating it being like, well, now you just said you're you're identifying them with their sin. Yeah, yeah. that's actually, that's, that might be a more, more clear way of articulating. And I think that's probably a really good place to start then because I can see that you're really drawn towards what is someone's humanity, where is it, who is this person, and how can I connect with them beyond agreeing and disagreeing because you're seeing that it's more important to see the person beyond these agreements and dis- and disagreements, which I, which I think um, everyone would agree with despite wherever they sit on any other sort of agreement or disagreement. Talk to me about your journey then, your journey with homosexuality your journey that has led you to these conclusions because people might be going okay yeah i really i really understand what you're saying and they might even agree with what you're talking about but then it becomes an interesting question to go okay so you're saying that sexuality isn't solely who a person is and it's not helpful to overly identify with it but there's still the element of it where you're coming to it and saying your experience has led you to say that my same-sex attractedness was not helpful or healthy and you moved away from it, whereas other people in sharing their experience would go, I actually found it really traumatic and not helpful when I was trying Mm. to move away from it. Mm. Talk to me about your journey that seems to be so different to other people's journey. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's really important to note too, that, um, trying to make yourself be different. See, cause I, we'll start with this. I believe the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality for me to prove 
that I'm free from homosexuality does not mean now I'm married to a man and have like 400 kids, right? The opposite of any sin, which I'm sorry if that is hurtful or offensive, but I'm going again from a Christian standpoint, right? I don't choose what is sinful and what is not. A desire and acting it out is different. If I want to kill someone, which I don't, if I want to kill someone, and then I choose to do it. Now I've acted in sin, but the, the thought was sinful, but I didn't yet become, it didn't yet become a sin. So again, I'm going back to write the Bible on, on sin and not sin. Let's not go on my opinion because I'm not God. Thank God. <laughs> um, but in that, so, so for me, the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. And I know that word is like, what the hell? Like that's, that's for old people. That's for something. And so the opposite of any sin, the opposite of a pornography addiction, is holiness the opposite of alcohol addiction right holiness um, because really what sin is any type of sin homosexuality is not the only sin in the bible it's not the biggest sin in the bible it's one of the sexual sins right um and so when whenever we desire to be apart from sin that's really what i want to be separated from because here's the reality even if i'm free from homosexuality i'm no longer living in a homosexual lifestyle i can be super prideful <laughs> right. I can be prideful that I'm not living in a homosexual. And, and guess what? I'm in the same boat because it's still simple. Right. And so I want to be drawn to a life of holiness, which reflects Jesus. I haven't met anybody, even if they don't identify as a Christian. I haven't heard anybody yet say, I hate him. Everything I've heard about Jesus, I hate. No, because he's an amazing, he was an amazing human being who was God man. Right. But we won't get into all that. But I think so for me, um, my experience was I was not at peace. Okay. It's like, if you're going to work every day, I'm just going to use a correlation. If you're going to work every day and you're just not enjoying work, nobody's making you stay there. Nobody's making you stay at that with that employer, but you're just not happy. You're not at peace. You're, it's a struggle to go every day. Wouldn't you look for a new job? Like you have the right and the freedom to do that. And hopefully, um, but for me, I was not at peace. When I was living the lifestyle, the girls that I dated were wonderful. They were great women. I, I genuinely loved them. Were they perfect? No. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I wasn't at peace with the way I was living my life. I, I, I wish I was, maybe, because then I wouldn't have had anything to, to deal with. I'd have something else to deal with. But in that area of my life, I was not at peace. And I think that as, as Jesus calls himself the Prince of Peace, when I'm lacking peace, I might be lacking Christ. And so for me, I, I wanted to reflect on that. And, and so I was like, okay, what, what is going on here? Right. And I wrote it all in a book. There's a book that goes through every detail, all the nasty stuff I did. Um, and not to glorify that stuff, but just for people to see the struggle. And I think it gives great insight into people seeing. And when they really take the time to read the book, they're like, oh, yeah, you really weren't at peace. You know, um, I'm not hiding that. And so for me, just continue to stay with a lack of peace and discord inside? No, no. So it was finally on October 17th, 2014. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to trust your ways and not my own. I want to start living the way you have said that it's better. And I want to see if you're right. <laughs> Literally, I was like testing him out, not testing God, but I wanted to test holiness out, right? And when I did, I couldn't get enough. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want what I used to do. And what I used to do also meant drinking. It meant gossip. It meant a lot of things, dude. This is not just homosexuality. And when I allowed God to come in and help me to live differently, dude, I wouldn't change it. If, 
I can change it. I can go back to women at any time. Oh, but then you won't do videos. I didn't want to do videos in the first place. <laughs> I mean, who wants to do videos on all the crap they've done in their life? So I didn't want to do videos. I fought that. I fought the book. I fought all of it. If you don't believe me, who cares? You don't define me, but I'm telling you real. And so in that, this, because videos in a book doesn't define me anyways. So if that goes, it goes. It's not who I am. And so people can have all these different opinions. I'm hearing you un unpack, I suppose, talking about um, religion, God, the Bible, sin, and then defining what those sins are and moving away from sin into holiness. I think one of the probably points of differentiation between I, maybe Christians or non-Christians as they pull all this apart is that what I'm hearing is your categorization as homosexuality in being a sin. And then you, you've spoken about your journey saying, well, uh, your reading of the Bible shows you that homosexuality is categorized as all these other, like drinking, mm -hmm. uh, like adultery, all these other sins as well. And it sounds like that seems to be the point where different people might deviate from, mm -hmm. from your um, categorization there. Lead me to talk about what leads you to including homosexuality in the category of sin mm -hmm. along with everything that's else. That's right, yeah. Um, and that's important to say. It's one of, right? Because I think a lot of people try to elevate homosexuality. Yeah. Like, that's a sin. I'm like, so is what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, let's stop pointing the finger mm -hmm. and let's talk about sin in general, right? And so, um, but not leave it out either. So how I came to know that it was sin? Well, one, um, by living it. I don't know if you've ever done something. I've stole before, right? Um, and I didn't feel good about it. Um, I believe the way God has designed us is that there's something inside that you just don't have this overwhelming. So that drove me. It was first and foremost, this feeling within that was like, ah, this is not okay. And then I, I dove in. And when I started looking in the scriptures, I was like, okay, a man shall not lie with another man as a woman, right? Um, as he does with a woman and vice versa. It went through, Paul talks about uh, in the New Testament, how in such were some of you and homosexuals were in there as well. Um, now, if people, and, and then here's the bonus of being Catholic. I believe um, that the Catholic church has preserved the truth in love, but preserved the truth. And so when you go back to the Catholic church's teachings, which is available to all, you can buy it on Amazon in the catechism, which is the doctrine, the teachings of the church that don't just change when the wind blows. It doesn't change if the Pope says, I love vanilla ice cream. It's now not a doctrine, right? Um, so this is, this is solid firm teaching. When I went back to that and I read about what the church teaches and has preserved scripturally on homosexuality, I was like, oh my gosh, it says that there are people with desires for the same sex. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Um, and that they will have these feelings, but they are disordered to the way in which God has designed. Now, that doesn't mean you're sick. It means that there's a disorder. It means it's out of order, right? It's out of line. There's something that is off in that. And so for me, and that we are called to love and not judge them, but love everybody who has these desires, right? Um, that they are welcome within the church. Um, but that once we step now into acting on those desires, we've stepped into sin. And so the correlation of the catechism, the scriptures, the discord within my own heart and mind um, and a continued study of scripture. I was like, okay. And again, like as a Catholic, I'm not, I, see, cause I could go to, hmm. I, I have a lot of Protestant friends. I'm friends with pastors at Bethel. Um, a lot of the big churches, 
Um, wonderful people, very blessed. I can go in and there's going to be 10 different churches, 10 different doctrines, 10 different opinions on how that scripture was met. And those are the times where I'm like, wow, Lord, I'm really thankful you preserve the truth in the Catholic church. Now, am I saying that the spirit of God is not with my Protestant brothers and sisters? Absolutely it is. But I have had many pastors call me and say, wow, we're at a disagreement pastorally from the head pastor to the you know associate pastor on certain beliefs. And they have to decide for themselves, whereas the Catholic Church has preserved the teachings. Mm -hmm. And I mean, God says very clearly in his word, he was, is, and always will be. You remove from this or you add to this and you're in bad shape. And so, yeah. So it, it sounds like as you encounter the various different biblical interpretations and such on that point, you're saying this is where I go to my other belief that says the, the truth is preserved within the Catholic Church and its tradition. So when other Protestants, maybe progressive Christians or Christians that, that say, well, that um, like a friend of the show, Abigail, has just sent through. So when, when they say, well, the, the scriptures that you're referring to were written right. in a context where homosexuality was, ref, was actually referencing... Um, what is it? Uh, more, more pagan ritual in the pagan temple that was taking place. They weren't referring to same-sex relationships here. That's where you're, where I'm hearing you say, well, that's not the um, Catholic Church's position on it, and you go, well, I do believe that the Catholic Church has this truth within it. So that's yes. that's where I'm going. When you're faced with multiple different biblical interpretations, yep. that's where you're defaulting to, well, listen, it's a complicated thing, but I'm going to trust the Catholic Church yeah, on this one. Yep. And because I believe the scriptures, right. when Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, I build my church. I don't think he was just talking about the body of Christ as in all of us believers. I, and you can see through the book of Acts, right, that there is an actual church. There is a hierarchy. And I believe the Lord in his all knowingness knew that needed to be preserved. And so now am I saying the Catholic Church is perfect? Absolutely not. It's run by humans, but the Holy Spirit is preserving the truth. And you will see and people say, yeah, Pope Francis just said homosexuality is OK. Same sex unions. And I'm like, no, for one, he didn't say that. And for two, even if he does say that, it doesn't change the Catholic Church's teachings. One pope is not going to change the Catholic Church's teachings. So that's not the way the church is set up. And so... Um, that's a good question, though. Mm -hmm. Is there any amount of popes that would change that? Uh, no, because it doesn't... How many popes are we yeah. talking? <laughs> well, it doesn't rely on just one pope, right? And this is... And that's the beauty, is if one appointed leader... But, and we got to remember, too, because people are like, yeah, but Pope Francis, he, he says all these things, and, and he's not a good leader. I said, well, let's not forget King David. Let's not forget Saul. I mean, these are appointed leaders. And, and you can go even into the New Testament because God doesn't have perfect beings to deal with. He has us, right? And he chooses to use us in our imperfections. So we're going to fall. Even for me, I'm not a perfect leader and I'll never pretend to be. And, and if people, if they see me fall and they're like, oh, then it's all over. Oh my gosh, I was never meant to be your God. I might, by the strength of God, I might be able to walk out some leadership but I'm going to have falls. I'm going to have, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make bad decisions. Um, so in that, I think a lot of people, there's misconceptions about the, the teachings of the Catholic church. Um, and the Pope makes all the rules and that's just not the way it goes. Um, so it's, it's really beautiful. I don't, yeah. we don't need to get into all the ins and outs, but you were, you were spot on in the way you said it. That is interesting. That I default back to say, you know what, I'm going to trust in humility. I'm going to trust that the Catholic church's teachings mm. are true. And I think this is where, perhaps a lost definition of conservative might might occur here where you're saying 
that this tradition is long. It goes for a long time. This has been the position of the Catholic Church for a for this amount of time. And most people, I think, if you are like like quote unquote conservative, they the conservative in this definition, which I think is maybe the uh, the most helpful definition, goes to say. I'm going to trust history in the past. And if I'm, I won't, I don't know. I haven't, I've really heard, seen the quotes and things like that, but people might look at Pope Francis and say, no, no, this Pope has said to like some homosexual, no, you'll be in heaven. And you know, I think it like they might interpret what he's saying is I think it's okay. Even if that is what he's saying, what you're saying is as more of a conservative, you're saying, well, well, that's not really where the tradition sits. So I'm going to default there. And I suppose my question before I get back into your experience, that's really what I want to explore is is there any, like, does change exist for your, I guess, conservative um, Catholic worldview that says, does change exist if, say, and I was kind of joking, like, how many popes, but does, is there change on the horizon for you if you were to see, you know, maybe the next pope kind of back up what they were saying and, and some of the teachings kind of shift and, and watch it slowly progress like does does is change on the horizon where you might go oh well okay well the church is also its beliefs have evolved Hmm. are evolving over time in different contexts and things like that yeah that's a great question so let's let's just say in the next five years the catholic church this is of course just uh what we're saying could happen let's say let's say yes hypothetically five years the catholic church comes out and says same-sex uh unions no problem we got it wrong, right? Over the last 2000 years, we got it wrong. Um, would, would my, would I change? I wouldn't, you know what I'd be more afraid of? That the church failed. That the church did not hold up truth. That when Jesus said, you will be hated for I was hated first, right? Um, that we, that the church, which it will not do. And I, I believe that because it's the Lord's church and he will not, it's not going to crumble. It might get smaller. So I could see a branch of people breaking off and saying, those people, those conservative Catholics, they won't change with the times. They're hateful, they're judgmental. And so we've recreated another branch of the church, right? I could see that happening. Um, and I would not go with that branch. I want to stay with the truth, even when it hurts, dude. I don't want to recreate mm-hmm. God in my image, I want to be recreated in whatever I'm doing in his image. And so I think that's what it kind of comes down to is, see, the call to a Christian is not easy. And I think because, you know, oh, I wear the shirt, I sing the songs, I check in on Sunday. That ain't, no, that ain't, that ain't Christian. It's, it's good, but that ain't it. And so for me, um, I, I don't believe the Catholic Church will change their stance because it's not biblical. Their stance will remain biblically sound. Um, and it does not change. And this is through scripture. It says, do not change doctrines with the wind, right? There's going to be so much. Um, and to watch out for false leaders, right? Uh, uh, wolves in sheep clothing. Da, da, da. So I know you want to get back on point. We can do another talk about this stuff later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. It's, it's good to clarify because I'm hearing you talk about this is the tradition you um, – it probably it sounds like you grew up with. It seems to be the – norm position within the catholic church as a whole and if it were to change it would still not not represent that position um and i suppose to to just uh follow this just one more question if so there's for you there would be no i suppose because the the argument against that people would say listen historians are looking at the context more they're finding out more about different theological interpretations things have been shifted and changed through the years of 
uh, culture influencing how we've interpreted this text. And these people might say, yeah, but what we're doing is stripping away our culture that has led to what is called the conservative position. And we're coming back to more the orthodox position. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how, how do you respond to, to that assertion when you're saying... Because it kind of, it's like both sides are making the same claim, saying, no, no, this is the orthodox position. But I know those who are... Uh, like Richard Raw from the Franciscan position, he he would say um, people call him like a liberal progressive, but he would also say no, no, I'm actually very orthodox in what I'm saying. That seems along the progressive well, line. How how do you yeah, navigate that? And it's interesting you brought him up. I do not read his readings for that type exactly. Now I think there could be some good in there. I'm not saying he's he's a you know bad, but yeah. but. Um, I don't believe he's standing to some of the church's teachings because it, there, there needs to be an advancement. Um, <laughs> and so for, for me personally, um, I, I think that we have, again, how long has something been around, right? And been preserved. And then all of a sudden it's going to just change. Well, there's something to look at with that, right? And so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people. Why do we have, I think it's 46,000 different Protestant denominations right now. Because every person, many, many, right? Every person is like, oh, I got this revelation from God and this needs to be this way. And that breaks my heart. And I believe it breaks the heart of our Lord because he wants a unified bride. He wants a unified church. And so in this, every time somebody gets an idea, right? Or this divine revelation, they don't stay within the church to try to help, right? We'll usually go and start something new. And so I think that's why we've gotten so much division and so much brokenness. And so we see that even within the Catholic Church. And many priests are like, I'm not going to be a priest anymore. And I say, amen to that. Priests who say, Kim, what you're saying is not right. I said, then you don't agree with the Catholic Church's teachings. And they have to say yes, because I'm not making, this isn't my opinion, right? Like I can have my opinion into this, but it's not based and, and foundational of my opinion. And so uh, some have stepped out of the priesthood and, and amen to that if they don't really believe that the church is preserved. And so if they want to change that, right, but don't talk to me about what hasn't been changed, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so that I guess that's one pillar and element of how you're coming to the conclusions that you're you're talking about which is how are you defining sin why is homosexuality categorized in this but the other half i'm hearing is your experience and your journey when you're saying i was not at peace when i was living a homosexual lifestyle when i was in a same-sex relationship a few few people uh put through in the chat there um talk to me about your experience that i suppose for you supported this uh position saying okay homosexuality or its lifestyle is a sin, and you weren't at peace. Um, Abigail puts through in the in the in the chat there saying, um, maybe you weren't at peace because of the guilt and rules that you'd been taught. So people might look at what you're saying when you're saying I'm not at peace. Well, they might say, well, of course you weren't at peace because your entire upbringing was telling you that this was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when you're doing it, there's a part of you that's internalized that narrative. Talk to me about uh, respond to I guess that yeah. for me. That's a, that's a great, and I, I, I hear that a lot, right? Is this, you had this because of guilt and shame because of the way you were raised. Well, let's not forget, I loved how I was raised, <laughs> I, right? So this was, I celebrated my childhood in the way I was raised. So for me to reject some of those things would be rejecting, right? Um, a joy that I also had too. So it's not like I was raised in a super staunch and, and didn't like it. But so I guess we'll go back to this. Um, look, 
My mom, all my life, told me that I have to make my bed. If I don't, it's, it's just not good. It's a bad practice. All these things, right? Dude, right now my bed's not made. I, I rejected that teaching. Um, and, and I've seen that that's okay, right? Um, so there's a lot of things that maybe I was raised in that as you become an adult, you have to either own or not own for yourself. See, I'm a 36-year-old woman. I, I, my parents are not breathing down my neck of any of this. We have to start to own truth for ourselves, right, at some point. And so for me, that is what I'm continuing to do. There are things I don't just say, I just 100% like and agree with everything the Catholic Church teaches. I'm taking it, I'm taking it to the Lord. And there's some things I don't like, right? Chastity, not that great, but I actually am finding the beauty in it. But, but there's just things, right? And so for me, look, my brother is no longer Catholic. He doesn't practice in the Catholic Church. He's in a Protestant church. He wasn't excommunicated from our family. We don't love him less, right? And so I had these, these other examples of, you know, hey, I don't believe the church's teachings and my own family. And that's okay. They weren't not loved because of that. And so what was I going to lose except for something I didn't believe myself? And so for me, I why I was dating women for so many years is because I was rejecting what I was not. And if you say that guilt maybe came from that, well, that would be only natural, right? But if I really didn't believe it was wrong, just like making my bed, I would still be doing it right? Like I would be living either by that standard or I wouldn't based on being an adult. I don't live with my parents, y'all. <laughs> like, I, I, God bless those who do still, but I don't live with my parents. I'm not, they're not my God. They helped raise me up in the Lord, but they're not the Lord. And so for me, even if I felt guilt or shame because of the way I was raised, I checked it, right? I brought it back. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to date women anyways, openly. And let's see how this goes. <laughs> right. And so if you're saying it's so ingrained in you, you can't take it out, then you're saying the, that, that people can never change and they can't change from the way they were raised. And, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like everything you're talking about is you're not talking about changing your sexual orientation. So I hear, and maybe I'm misinterpreting some people's positions, but I hear when people talk about homosexuality in the church and, and these things, they go, they, they almost come at it from the fact that it was a choice being like, well, you can choose, you know, to not be gay. And these people might've drifted away from God and that's why they have same sex desires. And then that might lead them to go, well, I don't choose to have multiple affairs. You could choose to maybe not be gay, but you're, you said at the top of the show, you're like, I didn't choose same sex attractiveness. I, I just had it. So it sounds like everything you're talking about, is not changing who you're attracted to, mm -mm. but changing who I guess you are in intimate, monogamous, and sexual relationships with. Is, is that what you're talking about? In, in a way, yeah. But I think an easier way to say it is I'm not changing my desires. I don't know that I can change those, right? Like I, I don't know if I can make myself okay. like broccoli. I do. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I can change my desire for a right. sweet fruit. I still love cheesecake. Okay. I don't know if I can change whether or not I'm going to like cheesecake or not, but I never want to take away that I have free will, a choice, whether or not I consume it. And so for me, I think what I, what I, what the Lord keeps teaching me is, Hey, some of these desires may not go away, but don't ever forget, Kim, you have choice what you do with them. 
right? And that is what I don't mm-hmm. want to be removed from my life or anybody else. If somebody says, well, I didn't mm-hmm. choose same-sex attraction. Okay. And I believe you. I believe you. But mm-hmm. do you believe you have a choice what you do with it? What? Yeah. Why? I guess when you're saying that, you're saying I'm not like my desires, I'm, I'm not sure if I can change them. But this behavior of same-sex attractiveness or this behavior of being in relationships with the same sex, for you, you're saying you weren't at peace and it sounds like you're saying it was damaging for you and it's a damaging behavior that you've moved away from. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I've even had had on the show, I've had a couple of um, gay and queer people on the show and and I guess they expressed that it, for them, they're not experiencing like a relationship or being married to their boyfriend or girlfriend, they're not experiencing that as damaging. Talk to me about your experience where, where you've come to the conclusion and go, for me, this was damaging and I had to move away from it and it wasn't healthy. I, I Yeah, talk to me about that experience. Yeah, for sure. And I want to touch on one thing real quick, back to the desires, but I'll be fast. Uh, you, yeah. as a man who's attracted to women um, and married, I believe, um, I see a ring, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you don't, it. you may have desires for other women, but you have a choice whether or not you act on them. You don't know that you can stop having desires for other women, but would you, would I be wrong in saying that you have a choice whether or not you cheat on your wife? And I would say the same thing for me, right? With a desire I might have for a woman or something, I I still have choice and I can do things. I have choice what things maybe I do or don't do that either feed that or don't feed that. Okay. So I just, that's just the cleanup on that last thing to maybe think about. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So the, qu- yeah. the question you asked um, regarding um, people who are happy in the lifestyle, they are happily married to the same sex. Um, okay. Amen. <laughs> I, I'm not telling you to change. I'm right. not telling you to be unhappy. I'm saying in my journey uh-huh. as a Christian woman, I was not at peace. Mm-hmm. I was not fully happy and I was living out And see, and again, now we take this back to Christian walk. Now, if you're not Christian, we're kind of talking two different languages here. That doesn't mean we still can't talk, but it might take a little bit more to break down what we're actually saying, right? So, but for me, talking Mm -hmm. through a Christian perspective, I'm called to to give up, right? It says, take up your cross daily and follow me. So there's going to be a sacrifice in my life here on earth as a Christian. I don't see, when I read through the New Testament, I don't see a bunch of guys and girls that were like, hey, this is freaking awesome. Where's the next conference? I see people who are getting their heads mm. cut off. I see people who are giving up like everything they've got to make sure Jesus is known. And I don't believe Christianity has changed. I think we've changed what we want it to be. But there is a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. There's a cost. He said, Jesus says himself, if you want to you find your life, lose it. What does that mean? The Beatitudes, look at what he says. This is not an easy thing. Now there's joy in it. There's joy. That's why Paul, after being beaten and torn to shreds and thrown in prison, was singing praises to God because guess what? He was losing his life and he was finding it in that cold jail cell. That's the kind of life I want to live. So you would look at, because that's that's what people would say. So in the analogy you gave of me being attracted to other women and then choosing not to act on it and going, okay, well I can, if I'm attracted, if, if I'm attracted to, I guess people would say for someone who's gay and, and they can, yeah, they can choose to be alone and live a celibate lifestyle and all those things. And I guess the cost 
they would say the cost is different. For me, it's like I can still have a loving relationship and intimately know mm-hmm. someone in a way that um, that is that's very like I guess very special. And and th- someone who's gay, the result of them not acting on their desires is they get to kind of be alone, never really experience that level of relationship with somebody. And the cost is almost. It sounds like you're correlating that to a like a sacrifice in in saying that if someone makes this probably a, like the sacrifice for me to be honest I don't know if is is that great if I'm going well I could be having sex with lots of women right. I know how great this mustache is yeah. um, <laughs> but but I I choose I choose not to but for somebody else the cost is like okay well I'm gonna be alone now mm. in that sense for sure. of, of of the word and it. Yeah. In in the book that I wrote, actually, one of the main things that was driving me was my fear of being alone. That is real, dude. That is an absolute real thing. Because I thought, okay, if I've got these desires, because I married a man too, by the way. So you, the, all the details are in there. I hold nothing back. But in that, I was always afraid of what being alone meant. See, I didn't look at Paul in the scriptures and be like, oh, wait, where's his wife? Right? Where's Timothy's wife? If you'll see a lot of the the sold out for Christ, they're not married. Right. I know people can point out of Peter. Well, no, it says his mother-in-law never talks about his wife. She might have died. Right. This woman. So again, but our world says that you're only happy, Kim, if you're in a relationship. And that to me is a twisted version of the truth. There's a partial truth in that. I believe from my experience that I am truly only happy if I'm in a relationship with Christ Jesus. Then all things come together for me. But see, I live my life. What does that yeah. look like when you say that, when you say in a relationship with Christ Jesus? What I guess what does that mean? Because it's a bit of an abstract concept yeah, where, sure. where it's like, well, Christ Jesus isn't a physical person. I can't like hang which out Which is even him. better. But, like, when you, yeah, which, which to be honest, because <laughs> unlike you who has to go to work, right? Like your wife could want to be with you every second of the day, right? You guys could just be on cloud nine, want to be together, but you got to go to work. she got to go to work. You got to go to the grocery store. See, my bridegroom, my husband, goes with me everywhere. Yeah, you're right. I can't physically touch him, but I get when I, when someone is kind and generous and loving to me, I feel Christ within them. Now we could say we don't have sex. Okay. But sex is not everything, dude. And we've twisted sex. Anyway, sex was for procreation. It ain't because it feels good. That was a bonus. Thank you, Lord. But it was a bonus that we now took advantage and made it the, made it the finish line. No procreation was about sex. Sex was about procreation. And so for me, yeah, I I do not have sex anymore, right? I am joyful. I love my life. Is there moments where I'm like, hmm, kind of miss that? Yes, absolutely. But there's probably moments where you as a married man are like, man, I kind of miss those drunken college nights. Not all of them, but do you know what I mean? You're gonna, we're going to be tempted. We're going to want things, but it's mm. not about fulfilling every single desire you have. As a Christian, it's not. Mm. And so for me, a life with Christ, uh, same thing. When I wake up in the morning, dude, first person I talk to is Jesus. Because guess what? I remember back in relationships, first person I talked to was the one I was dating, right? First person I, I talked to um, and, and asked to be with me and to be with me through the day is Jesus. I treat him as a real present person. I, people think I'm crazy. I don't care. It's my, my relationship, not yours. I suggest it. But the reality is a Christian, we are all called to that too, dude. That's where I think we get it wrong sometimes. So if we really read the scriptures, it says, have no one or nothing above me. So even if you're married, right, Mm -hmm. to the opposite sex, no one or nothing, not even a kid is supposed to come before him, right? And so in that, you have Abraham and Isaac, father Abraham, Abraham, the, the father of our faith, had Isaac, 
right? The the miraculous child, like he was like a hundred and something, right? And what did God ask? Put him on the altar, burn him up. Because see, even the biggest blessings from God can become an idol. The biggest blessings can now become our God and it becomes number mm-hmm. one. And the call of Christianity is Christ yeah. first. It sounds like you're describing what we can pursue and chase that we think will make us whole and complete. And that can be relationship, that can be food, that can be money, that can be a career, that can be status. That And you, you would put that in the category of... Re- um, of idol that that chasing of relationship being like you were saying you, you your fear of being alone drove you to be with people um, and that sounds like you're saying that was your idol mm-hmm. are you able to talk to me a little bit more about when you're saying for you when when you were in same-sex relationships what did you find damaging about that that well now looking back is is you know so it depends what perspective i just knew it was damaging because i wasn't at peace and i like didn't have this great joy unless I was kind of drinking and, and out and not really, really thinking. I had to kind of shut my head off a little bit. Um, but that's the same with eating a lot of food. I got to kind of shut my head off yesterday when eating Thanksgiving dinner because I'm like, this is way too much food. So I just shut my brain off and I felt fine until my brain came back on. Um, and so for me in those moments back in, in the lifestyle, um, I knew by how I was feeling, right? Or the lack of what I was feeling. But now looking back, I see that it really is the, it was the result of not seeking God first. It was about me seeking a relationship. See, even if I were, if, if let's say I get married to a man, if he completes me, everything's wrong. That doesn't mean don't get married, but I don't want someone else to complete me. I wasn't created to be completed by man, right? And so that could be man or woman. We can add to each other's fullness, but I want full human and full human. And if my husband dies, I'm like, okay, I'm still Kim. I still have my passions. I can be sad that he's gone, but he's not my everything. And so when I look back on my relationships, um, even the heterosexual relationships before was that that person was my everything. And I, I believe that's why I didn't have peace as well. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, yeah, yeah. It sounds like, when you say like when you're looking back on that lifestyle, it sounds like you, when you were, I suppose, with women in relationship. It's when you're saying lifestyle, it's, it sounds like you're also connecting it with your like with a pursuit of pleasure, like drinking college days and those types of things. Are you talking like about lifestyle when it says freedom from a homosexual lifestyle? Are you talking about all of those? other peripheral things that also for you went along with a homosexual lifestyle? Or do you think when you're talking about, you know, seek God first, not make the other partner an idol to like, you will complete me. And, and, and for you, you're saying that gets in the way of seeking God first. Are you, can you, is there a, a possibility of having a same sex relationship and pursuing God and not having that relationship become an idol? Oh, absolutely. I, I think you can, but then we look back. So yes, that's a great question. Um, I believe you can be in a healthy where that, where God is first and this, this same sex person, let's just say for me, this, this girl is second, right? But God is first. God is first. I'm loving him, getting to know him, love him and serve him right um, out of a place of love. And then this girl is kind of my partner in life. Now here's where it crosses sex. <laughs> so 
Now, when I engage in sexual relationship with this person, now we're talking about sin again, right? Because we're talking about that sex is created, right? Back to what God says, not what I want, not what I feel. And so can I have a best friend that's a woman that, that journeys through life with me? Yeah. But is there a sexual component to this now that would bring sin into our relationship? And so I think that's something that has to be looked at. Can a person who's living, and I think this is a great question, can a person who is living in a homosexual relationship, can they still seek God? Absolutely. Someone who is steeped in whatever sin can still seek God. But who are, what are you choosing over God or what aren't you? And so I think that is the question, is God first, is something we can only really say to ourselves and, and evaluate with God um, mm -hmm. and honest with our own our own self. But I don't know if that really makes sense if I answered the question enough. Yeah, yeah. In, in a way, it, it's saying that if you, when you're saying, when you're listening to God, you are going to default to your belief in the Catholic Church and its interpretation of these scriptures. So when it comes to uh, same-sex sex, sex uh, and intimacy, that is the definition of a sin. And so in a way, you're kind of, it's almost like you're saying you can't really be putting God first and be in a same-sex relationship because if you're, if you were from where you're coming from, putting God first, then you would be listening going, okay, well, that's a sin. And if I put God first, I want to go away from sin. So therefore, you, yeah, it sounds like you'd say for you that that isn't, that isn't an option Correct. because of your, um, I guess, theological... Yeah, my beliefs in the Catholic of, Church. ...of the theological mm -hmm. position of the church. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, mm -hmm. could, I mm -hmm. could be, I could have a best friend who's a girl and have no sexual relationship mm. with her. So, and mm -hmm. we could even live together. But... Do you know what I mean? Is it actually a physical relationship where there it is crossing the lines into sin? And so that's what we have to look at and evaluate for ourselves and not and not mm -hmm. fool ourselves either. Now, if I'm super attracted to this person, yes. I might not want to do that because I know that's going to probably lead me into sin. Right. I'm, I'm going to be so tempted mm -hmm. and most likely cave. Um. When you're talking about sin, and I'm probably way too late in the piece <laughs> at our end to, to get this definition, uh, but people may, may have worked it out. Uh, when you're talking about sin, it sounds like sin um, uh, are actions as you're kind of going, this set of behaviors and actions are sin. Is that how you would define sin? I think that's one way of looking at it. Absolutely. Because our, our actions matter. But see, mine's a heart thing. Because if I love God and I want to love him more, I want to trust him. Right. And so when I choose to step out of those those ways that he's he said are best for me and for all, I'm not trusting him. I'm saying, no, I know better. It's better that I have sex because I want it and it's good for me versus saying, you know what, God, I trust you because you're a loving father, because you came down in the form of man as Jesus Christ, the savior. And you walk this earth. I'm going to trust you. Grow me in love and trust and faith in you and your ways. And so for me, yeah, look, I can avoid every sin in the world, right? With the strength of Christ. But if I don't actually grow in love for Christ, then I'm just doing a lot of things or not doing a lot of things. See, the things that he's laid out, mm. sin, are going to be things that don't grow our relationship with Christ. And so what he's after is my heart and your heart and everybody else's heart. He wants to be in deep, intimate relationship with us. And so for me, when I, when I do choose sin, I'm choosing to not be intimate with the Lord, to not trust him and to not walk in faith that he knows that he's God and I'm not. 
So. Yeah, I feel like you've preempted my next question a little bit, but maybe you can you can um, go through it again. What would you say people are missing out on oh. when you look at your experience and, and, and someone might be going, listen, um, I'm in a same-sex relationship and I'm also pursuing God. What would you say when you look at those people when you're sharing your experience? What would you say they're missing out on? I think we're missing out on the fullness that Jesus died for, for each one of us. I think we're missing out. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I was missing out on life and life abundantly. I had life. I was alive and I was doing well, making money, doing the things, but I was missing the true life that says, you know what? All this money and the stuff you can have it, Lord, because what I've tasted and what I've seen in walking intimately with you does not compare. And I would give everything for it. See, it's that love that draws us. I was selling out. It's like the book, right? Of Hosea. Gomer running off, right, to all these different loves and missing the love that she was created for. See, we are all created for love, but I've sold out for the love of man or the love of woman, and it cannot fulfill the love yearning in my heart. And so this love of the love of who I'm experiencing, Jesus Christ, is now everything else is starting to pale in comparison. So I feel like we are not having that life abundant, that life abundant. When your partner dies, your life is not so abundant, right? And we were never created to be like that. Paul did not live the way he lived because of a partner or because of a finance or because of a title. He lived because he had the love of Jesus Christ in his heart and it drove him. He said, I could live or I could die, but I'm complete in Christ. It, was, it didn't matter if he was rich or poor. And people might be missing out on that because of what you're talking about before of going on some level, if you're in a same-sex relationship, you're putting your desires ahead of what God is asking us to do. Yeah, well, 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 not asking. He's inviting. He's inviting. See, because this is an open invitation. This is not a force. And, and it's laid out in the scriptures, the wedding invitation, right? Everybody's invited. But so many of us, no, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. Real things. And God's saying, I have everything for you in my presence. Be yoked to me. He calls himself the bridegroom and we are the bride, even you as a man, right? We're the bride called to be the bride of Christ, married and yoked to him. And I really believe when we let ourselves sell out for another love, we're missing the real love our souls were created for. Mm-hmm. I want to step this briefly into the political. And when I define the political, I mean the arrangement of society of multiple people from different backgrounds coming together and discussing how do we together organize society. And that's kind of what I mean when I say political. In Australia, a couple of years ago, we had a, a like a plebiscite, a vote. Should we allow same-sex couples to be to be married? And uh, and I think within churches, uh, almost pretty pretty well all churches might, of the 44,000 different Protestant denominations, um, they there's this there's this ceiling that 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 comes into play when someone who might be gay and married uh to someone of the same sex they can okay we accept you you know we love you as a person come into our church um but oh you want you want to like be in the music program sorry like we're, we're we can't let you do that you want to be a deacon sorry we, we can't allow you to do that and then to the political we say well in australia like we're going to have a vote i'm christian um i don't believe this is the way we should do it so i'm going to now vote for this outcome politically because i believe this is the way it should be and when you listen to the lgbtq uh, plus community they look at that and say 
I don't feel loved when I'm excluded from serving in church. I don't feel loved when your when your religious beliefs vote no against, like in Australia, we're probably more secular than America uh, in comparison. We've had atheist prime ministers before and, and that doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, and when, when they say your like Christian beliefs are now moving into the political, where now I can't, I'm not a Christian and I can't get married because you're kind of voting against it. And I don't feel loved when I want to go to church and be a part of the worship service um, because, you know, we might disagree on like, like Kim, your, your view is being yeah. like for you, your life has come, um, alive when you've stepped away from a same sex lifestyle, but somebody else saying, no, no, my, I actually came alive when I was in a same sex relationship. And, but I'm now being, I guess I don't feel loved by this community. Uh, when, when it steps into the political, when we start to go, mm-hmm. um, cause, cause I, I guess what I'm saying is, cause it like crosses over. Yeah, it, it, it will always cross over. How do you, like, what do you say to those people that say, Kim, like, I understand where you're coming from. I understand, like, your experiences, but I don't have those same experiences and I don't feel loved when, when I'm being excluded from church in the being involved. And I don't feel loved when I can't, in a secular society, get married and be with mm-hmm. the partner I want. I, I suppose, what would you, what do you say to that? perspective and and those people who won't say that yeah um see (laughs) the reason why i share even is because i've experienced something beautiful and i don't believe that i've experienced i don't believe i would be loving to just have that for myself and not share it now i would not be also loving to force people to experience what i've experienced so if that's the case that i share because of what i've experienced and continue to experience is beautiful and life-giving I want other people to know about it. And so I see that as the Christian life, not just with sexuality, but the Christian life. And so for me, when I vote, I want others to experience this beauty too. And so for me, it's not in an, I'm excluding you. This is actually, I want you to experience what I've experienced. Not that you have to, but that we all have the right to vote. And I'm going to vote for your soul, not just for your smile. I want to vote for the goodness and the fullness of your soul, not just you smiling today. And I think if we really sat with people and and if people, instead of just putting a lot of comments on videos and things, but we really have a conversation, they'll know like, oh my gosh, you, you actually do care about me. Yeah, I do. But you don't know me. I, I understand. I don't need to know you to care about you. You were created by God. He loves you. And I'm called to love you too. And so I know that people can feel excluded in these things, but the way that I vote is only because I want people to experience what I'm experiencing. My one vote does not push everything, right? But I'm I just as they have the right to vote. Doesn't it on some level when 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 something becomes policy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because because you've said a lot, like you you don't want to force mm-hmm. you don't want to ever force people to do this. It's an invitation. Yeah. But I suppose the way people look at policy and the way laws are enacted for the specific example for Australia and America, I know it's got a high court, different system happening, but, but it does become a, when it becomes policy, it does become, it's illegal for people to be recognized. I love to drive fast. I just do. It's it's in my blood. I love to drive fast. There was policies put in place that I am not allowed to, right? For my well being for the well-being of others as well. So every law was supposed to be in place for the well-being of each individual person, right? And so when these things happen, right, like the laws are set, 
as a Christian, I cannot. Now I could, but I will not. And I pray I don't ever allow something that I know is not healthy for someone because God has said so, right? Why would I do that? If I truly care for their soul, if I care that they don't speed on the freeway, I'm going to care that their soul isn't speeding, if that makes sense. And so for me, I think as a Christian, it is, it is a responsibility. Yes, it might limit, but it's for your good. Just as though I want to drive fast, it is for my good. And so don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes sense in my little brain. It's kind of a simple little brain, but yeah, I like when I, when I come to that analogy, I see like there's two elements and being American, as I kind of observe American politics from afar, like there's this streak within Americans that are like, don't touch my freedoms. Don't, don't like the individual is like a, a, like sacred, do not tell me what to do. And then people would say, well, we have to put in like these driving laws in order to protect other people. You might want to drive past and kill yourself. But you're going to get um, it. All right. That's, that, that's your choice. Uh, but that choice will negatively, you could lose control and kill somebody who, who had no say in your choice at all. And I suppose if, if I'm to take that example and you're saying, I can't vote for something that I think you're going to hurt yourself on. Is there that element when you're saying, I think it's going to hurt others as well if you pursue like a same-sex lifestyle? Is And if, if that is the case, what would you say those damages would be mm-hmm. of somebody going, listen, I'm not a Christian. I just want to be in a loving relationship mm-hmm. with my partner. Um, and But you would you say that there's externalities and other damages that's being caused if that was allowed to go ahead? I do. I believe our choices absolutely affect one another, whether we want to believe it or not. My choice, my free will choice to get on here is going to affect someone, positive or negative, right? Possibly both. And so our choices always affect someone else in some way. I wrote in the book that um, I was once holding uh, my girlfriend's hand. We were at Disneyland and I look over and I see this little girl that was staring at me just staring and looking at her hands and looking at me, she's probably like seven years old, something like that. Um, and I remember dropping her hand and I felt like, I felt as if, I'm not saying this way, as I felt as if God was very clearly saying, you are an example in this world. What are you being an example of? And so even as a Christian, right, I, I'm labeling, I'm taking on that, that title as Christian. And so I, how I treat people is an example to others of what a Christian is. And so for me, I believe that it, somebody asked me once about, you know, their, one of my friends, her child went through um, transition from being a boy to a girl at eight years old, not surgically, but um, externally. And um, she said, it doesn't affect anybody but him. And I said, that's not true. That's not true. It affects his little brother who's now watching this. It affects the little girl or the little boy at, in his class that doesn't know it's, that's really a boy. It has had a massive effect on everybody. Our decisions affect each other. And I think when we when we stop believing that, we start hurting each other. Because now we're just living this self-centered life. It's like, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't affect everyone. Guess what? That's what the boy said before he got in the car and killed my niece. His decision doesn't affect anybody. He just wanted to drink. And he wanted to have fun with his friends on a road that almost no one travels on. Until my niece decided to travel on the road. Our decisions affect, and sometimes we feel it in a great measure. Sometimes we see it, and then sometimes we don't. But no matter what, our choices affect one another. And I think if we really kept that on our forefront, hopefully we would live different. We'd live with others 
in mind as well, instead of just ourselves and what we want or we desire. So I do, I believe whatever we're doing, we have effects on one another. Because I think what you're saying there is not like, I think everyone uh, can really get behind what, what you're talking about being, there's this interconnectedness of humanity that is unavoidable and we will always influence somebody else in some other way. And I, I guess, what do you see as that harm, like specifically of like somebody being in a same sex relationship that is as harmful as some other things we've put in laws? Because some people might look at it and say, but aren't you, if we all have a choice yeah, yeah, yeah. when it comes to the political, aren't we taking the choice away? So if it was legal to, which I guess it is in America and Australia now as well, when it's legal for someone to go, you know, I choose to, to get married mm-hmm. in this, um, isn't, isn't it taking away the choice if we, if we make it illegal in the, in the political sense? Well, and if, if we, if it, if people do make the choice, what is that harm that, that, we, I guess we can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even when things, you know, it, now saying you can't be with someone, you know, the same sex, that's, that's not the law. <laughs> this is, you can't, this is not called a marriage, right? But nobody's restricting you from still being with the person that you want to be with and buying a home together or doing whatever you want to do. Um, you know, so in that now I can see where they say, yeah, but I don't have the legal benefits and things. And we could go into a lot of that, but it's not stopping the person from being with another person, Right. You can still do that. Um, But where the effect I think has is that, and I know I'll speak for my own life, is that when I was dating women, because people were drawn to me and drawn to my personality, they believed it was okay for them. I was setting a standard for what was good and what was not good. And as a Christian, I take that very serious. And so my own way of living right? And the way I spoke and what I did was now affirming and confirming in other people that this was the new okay, because Kim was doing it, right? And so um, I, I, like I said, I, I believe we have a great responsibility in that, and especially as Christians, um, to uphold a different way of life, a different way of living. Um, I, it does break my heart to think that, you know, um, two people who love each other that are of the same sex, um, you know, maybe don't get the medical benefits or, or whatever. I don't know all the things. I'm not married, so I don't know all the things that come from that. Um, but nobody's stopping two people from actually being together. I mean, in California or in the States, we're up for passing a law now that um, pedophilia is going to be 14 and up instead of 18. But now if somebody wants, if an adult wants to be with a 14 year old, that will be legal. I'm sorry, but our laws matter. And what we allow and what we vote on and don't vote on really matters. Um, it's legal now in certain states. When when you a woman gives birth, the baby can be killed after out of the womb, and it's considered abortion, not murder. Out of the womb, our votes matter. And as Christians, um, now that hurts my heart not only for that child, but for that mother. And see, and when I don't vote, and I say that that needs to be illegal. I'm now allowing someone to go into that if it's legal, right? And I, it, for their soul, for their, their well-being. I know a woman who has had, had five abortions. She had five abortions. She did not know it was wrong. It was legal. And she lives with that every single day of her life now. She's one of my dear friends. I have another friend who had an abortion. She said, there's not a day that goes by that I've not thought of my child that I killed. She said, I didn't know it was legal. It was fine. 
See, what we allow... So you're... I, I suppose when you're looking at the law, you're saying that if it is legal, we are saying it's okay. I, su- I suppose it, it sounds like if, if, if something is legal, then people might do it because they base their morality off, off the law. It, it, it sounds like that. Um, Kitty, Kitty uh, in, the, in the chat there is pushing, pushing a little bit because the examples you give, I suppose, about like th- this is legal and causing harm to like an external party – um, Kitty's saying, sh- like, what is it exactly that is harmful about a same-sex relationship that you might be bringing in the examples of abortion and yeah, pedophilia yeah. and things okay. like that? Like, what what is that? I'll, yeah. I'll bring it back to my own. Um, I dated a girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, I'll go off yeah. my own examples. That'll be helpful. So thank you. Yeah, great. Thank yeah. you, Kitty, for writing me back in. <laughs> I can see how you could not correlate those as well uh, or how there's a separation between that. So um, for me, uh, I was... Uh, single and I was actually married. It's in the book. I was married and I was attracted to another married woman. And I started pursuing her. She started pursuing me. We both cheated on our husbands. We left our husbands for each other. Right. Um, she was not identified as gay. She just liked me is what she said. She wanted to be with me. Um, and I just so happened to be a woman. Um, my decision to pursue her And if I would have stayed with her, her twin babies and her husband would not be happening right now. She has two twin babies, a very happy husband and wife that they are now, my my ex and her husband. Um, My choices affected two babies or not. (laughs) Now, you could say that's a really strong line. No, I I broke up with her and she ended up getting married. Um, See, she didn't want to be with women. She wanted to be with me. It was a personal thing. And so I think that when we, we could be possibly taking someone else's spouse, we could possibly stop life from happening without it, not on purpose, but I, me being with her, I didn't know that those two twins would eventually be here. Right. Um, and I know people could have arguments either way, but I'm, I'm just sharing my own personal thing. My choices absolutely affected three individuals that are living right now, two of which are babies, one of which is a grown man who has a wonderful wife now. So our choices matter. And and on the flip side, when it comes directly to these laws, look, what about a, a someone who's not Christian and they're, and you had said too, you know, and they follow the law, they're like, well, it's legal, so it's good. I, I know people who do not live Christian lifestyles and they go by what's legal and not. And so as a Christian, I have to do my part not to force, but to vote and do my part so that non-Christians experience the beauty of boundaries within the Lord, because they won't experience it anywhere else if the, if the world doesn't do it, right? If the world's not going to use Christian value on its own. And so I think that there is a direct effect to those souls that maybe don't know God. And they're like, wait, if this is illegal, let me check this out. Why? Right. Instead of just saying I'm I'm hated and people don't like me, could we dig deeper and be like, wait, why? Oh, that's just people who are angry and they're homophobic. Is it though? Is it? Mm-hmm. And can we have that other conversation? Mm. I think I think there's def- like so much within what you're saying that I think everybody listening, no matter where they sit, can like really like understand and probably wholeheartedly agree with no matter kind of what your opinions are on the things we might disagree with. Kim, as we finish up. 
I always ask these questions. How how do you, and you've probably already half answered as well, how do you see those people who might look at you and say, Kim, I feel like you're forcing your experience and worldview onto me. How, how do you see those people? How do you, when, when you look at them, how do you see them? Well, first I say, I'm sorry, because that is not, that's not my heart. Um, I, I couldn't change myself and, uh, I didn't want to be forced to change and I wasn't, and I'm thankful for that. And I never, ever want someone to feel like I'm me sharing my journey and the joy that I found is forcing you to do anything. Um, that's not the way God works either. Um, so first and foremost, it would be, I'm sorry. Um, and I don't see you like that. I don't see you as a project that I need to change. I see you as another creation of God that there is fullness of life for. And I want to share how I have continued to find that in my life, in my broken life still. I'm not perfect, right? I don't think I got it all figured out. You can clearly see I, I don't. Mm. Um, and so it's not, it's, it's an invitation. Maybe it's something that you're like, you know what? I just, I want to talk to God again. I pushed him out because I thought he doesn't want to hear from me. He doesn't like me. No, he loves you. You're right. He doesn't like you. Well, no, he does like you too, but he's in love with you. He's in love with you. And, and so if you're getting a message of condemnation from anything I've said, then, then I've said it incorrectly. Then the words that came from my mouth mm-hmm. didn't get, they didn't get translated right from my heart. Cause that's not my heart. That's not my heart. And, and look, I'm, I'm growing and I'm learning. Um, and the Lord is helping me to be more compassionate um, as I see more flaws in myself and I see how he deals with me in mercy and grace. I, I want to show that mercy and grace to others. And so um, I see you as a child of God. I see you as someone who is loved, um, who is more than their desires, whatever those desires might be. Um, and that has life and life abundantly waiting for you. Um, and if you relate at all to anything I've shared, amen. If you don't, I pray that you don't, um, that you don't feel judged um, because we disagree. So, mm-hmm. How do you think they, people who might disagree, how do you think the people who might disagree with you, how do you think they see you? Oh God, I don't even know. <laughs> Probably. I don't, I don't know. I, they'd have to tell me, um, but you know, it's the only reason I'd want to know is so I could take it back to God and be like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? You know, like I don't, I don't want someone to see what is not really there. Um, and so that's the reason why I actually always like constructive criticism um, because I think it helps me grow mm-hmm. into a better human being um, than all the, oh, you did a great job. Okay, awesome. But like, where can I grow? You know, because that's the, that's the part that we mm-hmm. can look at. Um, yeah, look at what maybe was done well and, you know, praise God for that. But for me, um, I don't know what people say about me and I don't read comments because if someone really wants to talk to me, they'll reach out. They're not going to mm-hmm. drop a line behind a screen name. If they really want to talk and they really want to have a conversation, I am like the easiest person to find. Please don't show up at my house. I've had that mm-hmm. kind of happen. Um, <laughs> because, and I will, and I, you can come to my house, but like, let's set it up. Um, but in that, like, I'm not hiding. I'm not trying. This is my real name. I'm a real person. I got real mm-hmm. issues, real family. Um, and so talk to me, like, tell me what you think. If you And you're open to that. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. You're open to that absolutely. conversation. I do that every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. 
And Kim, if people are listening to you and they want to like learn more about your story, your journey, you've touched a little bit on it. Where can people, when you're saying I'm easy to find and I'm open to conversations, where can people find you and, yeah. and what, you, what you're doing and your book that you mentioned? So yeah, um, I have a website and it doesn't accept donations or anything like that. This is not a money move for me, y'all. Um, if it was, I would have stayed in real estate. So um, it's, uh, yeah, overcome, M-I-N, um, overcome, M-I-N.com. Um, and it's got some different, you know, talks or whatever on there. It's got the book on there. Um, all proceeds go to Unforgotten Faces, the mission in Ethiopia, serving uh, widows and orphans. Uh, they're in Ethiopia with 280 kids. And so, yeah, I mean, if you have questions, if you don't like what I said, can, just don't come at my throat. Do you know what I mean? Like, just come to me, be like, hey, you know, I didn't really get what that meant. And I'd, I'd like to know what you meant by that, because this is how I took it. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not assume that yeah. you know exactly what I said. I know our words matter for sure. Our words matter. Um, but that's why I have that is more for people to reach out. I get multiple emails, messages on. So, well, look, dude, send a message on Instagram. I'll, I'll check it. Um, I actually only yeah. have my phone yeah. set to um, direct messages that come in because I don't care about likes and stuff like that. I want to know people who are, whether they're struggling or don't understand what I said, if they want to have a conversation, I'm open. Just give me, give me a little grace mm. on time replies. Cause there is a lot. So, but I, I will personally <laughs> get back. Ain't nobody writing for me. Kim, we appreciate so much about you being really open, really honest and just answering all, all, all the questions we have. So thank you so much yeah. for, for being a part of Ideas Digest and letting us kind of explore and unpack. And, and if, whether you agree or disagree with Kim, I hope, I hope you realize that's not the point. Right. Uh, this is this is kind of where we're where we're wanting to explore. We're wanting to like push ideas, see this, see them stretch. How, how does Kim see the world? Where does she come from? What's her experience? And hopefully, we've been able to do that. If we, if I haven't been able to ask good enough questions, remember, if you want to be part of the practice, number one, listen to the episode that might trigger you the most. Let's that's where the understanding begins. Number two, I probably missed some questions. Could have gone deeper. Um, what questions did I miss? And number three, send us a DM. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, this conversations like this, they're never a debate. We're not looking to prove anyone right or wrong. Cause that just fits into the category of like, like, can I categorize this person as, as right and wrong? And I think Kim has really probably very much in the spirit of the show, uh, also recognize that people are bigger than ideas. They're bigger than opinions. They're bigger than these things. Can we make the room to learn about that other person? Can we see their humanity and can we connect to them even if you're listening and going, you know what, I completely disagree. My life experiences has led me in a completely different direction. Um, But you know what, I think I understand where Kim is coming from. Kim, thanks again so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I guess if you want to reach out to Kim, you can do that and you can reach us on Artist Digest. For those watching live, this was a live podcast recording that will be up. You know, I don't know when I'll get around to it. I've got a bit of a backlog, but I'll let Kim know and she can like put it on her, let everyone know on her end. And, um, and uh, you'll be able to catch it on the podcast or the live will be saved if you want to watch us fluff about with technology <laughs> at the beginning and have poor, poor audio quality. I wouldn't say my audio quality is the best. You know, we're getting there. We're getting there. So thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode.